thank you for listening to this Table Church Sermon Podcast. Table Church exists to invite people to the way of Jesus. We do that by living out our four core values, pursue God, create belonging, do justice, and make disciples. So join us for four weeks as we focus on the things that we are called to. In this series, we are learning what these core values mean to us and refocusing ourselves on what matters most. As always, if you need anything at all, please check us out at tablechurchdsm.org or you can reach out at hello at tablechurchdsm.org. God bless and thank you for listening. Good morning. My name is Eliora Erickson and I will be reading from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. And some they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Thank you, Elsie. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you at Table Church. Uh, So I want to mention something real quick that we've got going on. If you're new-ish to Table Church, like you've just recently started attending, um, I'm not going to define that. You can decide if you're new or not, but we have an event just for you. It's tonight. It's called Table Talk, and it's a free meal, and so all you have to do is show up at 5 o'clock. And uh, we'll feed you. So actually, there's one other thing you need to do. You need to mention it on your connection card that you're coming so that we know how much to bring. Uh, But we would love to have you there. It's just a chance to get to know the staff a little bit, to hear more about Table Church. And, you know, if you're still checking us out, that's totally cool. Uh, Just to get an idea of of who we are and why we exist and and how you might be a part of it. So just write Table Talk on your connection card. That'll be your signal to me this afternoon that you are going to show up. But I hope to see you there. So we're in a sermon series right now called Focused, where we're looking at our core values as our church. And what's a core value? Well, core value is something that's non-negotiable. If you stop doing your core values, you've ceased to be who you are. You've stopped doing the things that you're called to do. And so we want to protect these core values. In fact, I I think it's kind of my job to, to ensure that our church is moving in these directions. And so we... You may have noticed our core value banners on the stage have kind of evolved every week of this series. <laughs> they started off in the back, and now they're, they're last week they were up front, and now they're on the stage. I'll probably stand behind them next week. Um, but here's our core values. We've got pursue God, create belonging, do justice, and make disciples. And everything we do as a church falls under one of those four core values. Now, you may have noticed in some different places in our branding, we attach an arrow to each of these core values. Um, And the reason we do that is because we think there's four directions every disciple of Jesus should be moving. And so up is pursue God. That's where you uh, activate your vertical relationship with the Lord in worship. Down, that's create belonging. That's where you plant yourself in a community of other believers for the long haul. You're there for them and they're there for you. And then you've got out, that's do justice. That's where you go out in the world with the gospel bringing peace, reconciliation, and hope through Christ. And back, that's make disciples. That's where you turn around and you see somebody who's behind you on the journey and you encourage them towards Christ. So notice that we chose arrows, not finish lines, to illustrate this. Because we believe that following Jesus is something you're never done with. 
And these four directions, are, uh, we should all be moving all of these four directions, but here's, here's the thing we have to remember. What's important in your discipleship is not where you're at, but what direction you're headed. What's important in your discipleship is not where you're at, but what direction you're headed. I mean, we all know plenty of, you know, quote, mature Christians who maybe know the Bible inside and out have been going to church for decades, but they're flatlined in their faith. They're plateaued. They're not going anywhere. And then you have people who are new to the faith. They've been Christian for six months, you know? They know like three Bible verses. They color outside the lines in terms of what might be acceptable behavior sometimes. But man, they're on fire for Jesus. They're moving towards him. I think that that is what Jesus honors. So today we're going to talk about this third core value, do justice, this out arrow, this idea of moving out into the world with the good news, with the gospel, bringing the hope and reconciliation of Christ with us. This is a difficult one because that word justice, it's gotten messy. Like, honestly, when we planted Table Church four years ago, that word wasn't quite as controversial as it is now. People have got all sorts of definitions and ideas of what justice means and what it's supposed to be. And in fact, I also say this, justice work can be suffocating. There's a very high uh, burnout rate among like activist communities in our world today. Because a lot of times when we think of justice, it's just like, oh, I got to cast myself into this sea of problems that have no answers and I'm just going to drown. And so we can, we can get justice fatigue sometimes. And so today I'm going to suggest that we actually use a different word that hopefully will help free us from some of that. I want to use the, I want to think in terms of scriptural mission today, scriptural mission the word mission is helpful because it focuses us back on God. The church is on mission, but it's not our mission, it's God's mission. And it's a mission he's been on ever since time began, and all we're doing is joining him in it. And what that means is it's not up to me and you to uh, go and fix all the world's problems. It's up to me and you to learn how to discern God's voice to know what he has called us into. And that's exciting, I think. In fact, I think what it means is that justice is no longer an obligation. It's an invitation to join God in what he's already doing in the world. That right there is where being a part of a local church gets exciting. And I did just say that sentence. Being part of a church can be exciting. What I mean by that is, is that we as a church... Our heart is not to simply be a church that serves. We want to be a church that solves problems. Do you see the difference? I got no problem with serving our community, and we do, but that's just not enough. I think that God calls us not to simply do nice things. God calls us to find problems, to find gaps in the fabric of our society, uh, to find disparities, and to fill them in. To, to, to bring it back together, to step into that breach. I think we're called to solve problems. That's what the people of God should be all about. And I think that's what God is using Table Church to do. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but let's look at our text. Jesus begins this text with the phrase, you are the salt of the earth. Now, scholars aren't entirely in agreement or clear on exactly why Jesus used this metaphor of salt. What is it about salt exactly? What precisely is he getting at by saying that we are the salt of the earth? Well, it's a little ambiguous, and I think that might be the point, because salt is used for lots of different things. 
Salt purifies, salt preserves, salt brings out flavor. Before modern refrigeration, it would be used to keep things from spoiling. So salt has a lot of uses. Now notice in verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. That word earth, the Greek word is the word for land. This is an important distinction because 2,000 years ago, they did not have a conception of a giant orb floating in space like we do when we hear the word earth. That's not what they thought of. Instead, they're thinking of the land that they're standing on, the ground that they're on. Now, in the Old Testament, any reference to the land, it's always clear what they're talking about. They're talking about Israel. That is the land, the place where God's people have been called to. So really, this is shorthand for you are the salt of Israel. You're the salt of the people of God. This is an important thing to understand because in a moment, Jesus is going to change the metaphor. He's not going to talk about salt. He's going to talk about light. He's going to say, you are the light of the world. That's different. The world is not Israel. The world is everything other than Israel that don't know, everyone who doesn't know God. That's the world. But he starts off by saying, you're the salt of the land, of Israel. Now, what this says is that Jesus' followers, they, they had two missions, there was a mission to God's people, and there's a mission to the world. I want to talk about those two different things here today. First, the mission to God's people. God's people had lost their flavor. They were called in Genesis 22 to be a blessing to all nations of the world. But they had become divided, literally, into two nations over time. Um, they were rebellious. They were idolatrous. They had lost their saltiness. And Jesus says, what good is salt once it loses its saltiness? You just throw it out. They had lost their way. And so Jesus is basically saying, look, you guys are going to restore the flavor of, of God's people. You're going to bring the saltiness back. You're going to purify. You're going to preserve that original calling. That's what Jesus' followers are going to do. To be salt means to restore the good flavor of God's people. Now, ever since Table Church started, I actually think it's become clear that this is what we're called to do in Des Moines, to restore the good flavor of God's people. When we planted this church, I met with a lot of leaders, a lot of them were believers, and I would always ask them this question about the city. I would say, Tell me about the spiritual landscape of Des Moines. Describe to me the spiritual landscape of Des Moines. And four out of five people would have basically the same answer. They would say, it's competitive. It's divided. Christians here seem to be in competition. That's at least in a lot of people's minds the way things are. Now, I want to be clear. Since living here, I've, just, I've encountered a lot of incredible Christians, incredible churches, people that are doing amazing things in this city. All right? But the fact is that this city does have quite a spiritual heritage of church splits, church closings, spiritual trauma, a lot of difficult things. And the people walking the streets of Des Moines today, many of them have endured that. And for many of them are saying, I'm never stepping foot in another church ever again. And so you might say that in a way, the church has lost its saltiness. And perhaps God is calling churches like us to be the salt once again. 
Not long ago, there was a young woman that was coming to Table Church for a short time. She travels a lot for her job, and actually, she had to move away, sadly. Uh, but after she moved, she sent me an email. And uh, in her email, she described the spiritual and the physical abuse that she had suffered within the church and within a marriage. And this obviously made going to church very difficult for her. In fact, one time, she, she went to a church, not table church, but she went to a church and actually started having like a physiological reaction. I mean, almost like a PTSD kind of thing and had to be helped out of the church. That's how deep the, the trauma was for her. And so she told me that story. And then here's what she wrote. And I'm sharing this with permission. She says, all of that to say, me feeling safe enough and confident enough to not only come to church, but to attend regularly is a massive win. Another piece of God's faithfulness, provision, and restoration. I appreciate the way visitors are invited to participate without feeling pressured. I have been so incredibly encouraged to not only see women on staff, but on a role where they teach the entire congregation. That was huge for helping me feel safe. From the preaching to the worship, I have felt a sense of humility, compassion, and a church truly seeking to honor God and be Jesus to the community. My lived experience includes my dad as a professional singer and both my ex-father-in-law and ex-brother-in-law as pastors. I know what worship and preaching looks like when it's performative or manipulative versus humble and genuine. And so all that to say, she came to table church, even for just a short time, and she felt like this is a place where I can worship. And for somebody who's gone through what she's gone through, that's a tremendous win for us. And so thank you, Table Church, for being the kind of place where she could feel loved. That's what it means to be salt. To restore the, the image of the church and the hearts of those who have been hurt. Now, in verse 14, Jesus changes the metaphor. Instead of salt, we've got light. Instead of land, we've got world. Here's what it says. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, so now we're talking about the world, not Israel anymore. We're talking about Gentiles. Now, that's simply the Bible word for anybody who's not a Jew or who doesn't know God. That's what we mean here. You are the light of the world. So what he's saying here is that his disciples, that they will show the world who God is and that people will come to know who God is when they see the way his followers live. Now, light is a common theme throughout the Bible, and particularly in Isaiah, God calls Israel to be the light of the nations. And he says that you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So what that means is that to be light means to take the gospel to the world. Now, sometimes this means good old-fashioned evangelism. Like, you know, where you use your mouth to tell people about Jesus. Like, yes, that is something that we're supposed to do. It's inescapable, I think, in scriptural mission. However, Jesus broadens the context of that a little bit. And when he talks about good deeds, he says that they will see your good deeds and they will glorify their Father in heaven. In other words, they will come to God when they see our incredible lives that we live. Now, I wonder if we can re uh, rewind to last Sunday and see if you remember. I shared a definition of church in that sermon, and here's what it was. I said that we are the ones whose lives remind the world that God has not abandoned the world. 
that is what the church is. We are the ones whose lives remind the world that God has not abandoned the world. That's what it means to be the light of the world. You know, I can't overstate the opportunity that I think the church has today in our culture. People today are tired of seeing problems. They wanna be a part of a solution. We are overwhelmed sometimes with all the crises in our world and we don't know what to do, whether it's political crises, geopolitical crises, um, climate, um, whatever. Like there's, you can just go down the list. There's so many problems in our world and people today wanna be a part of doing something good. They really do. I think that's an amazing part of, of this generation. They care about justice. We care about justice. And I think it's so sad when, when Christians look at that and instead of saying, oh, look at this opportunity to invite people into what's ha- what God is doing, instead we see it as an opportunity to critique their understanding of social justice or CRT or whatever the case may be. Instead of seeing the opportunity to partner with what God is already doing out there, we instead decide that we need to issue criticism. And I think that's a big miss on our part. I wish the church could see the cultural moment we're in for what it is, an opportunity. It's an opportunity to affirm the cry of our culture and say, hey, are you passionate about justice and reconciliation? So are we. God's been doing it from the beginning. Join us. Listen, when the church is on mission, the world wants to join in. Why wouldn't we take advantage of that? Here's what we need to understand from our passage today. The church doesn't have a mission It is a mission. We don't have a mission. We are a mission. Notice that Jesus didn't say, hey, disciples, you have a salt and a light budget, all right? Make sure that you're properly funding your salt and light departments, that you have a good strategy for how you're going to accomplish your mission over the next year. Like, that's not what he said. It's not part of what we do. Mission is what we do. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We don't have a mission. You are a mission. And when we moved to Des Moines to plant the church, uh, the big question that we had was, how are we uniquely called to the city? Like, what kind of problems are we called to, to solve here? And that's the kind of thing that you can't just blow into a city and decide. Like, you have to be there for a while, listening, discerning. And I think that eventually God did reveal that to us. During COVID, we noticed the huge gap that many kids in their education were having, particularly those in at-risk communities. And so we started Rise Up. And three years into that now, we've been able to see some incredible transformation in the lives of some of the kids that we've been working with. Now, another problem that I feel like God has maybe uniquely equipped or called us to address is is immigration legal services. Uh, Our ministry center sits right in the heart of so many neighborhoods that are full of immigrants. In fact, Des Moines is full of immigrants and refugees. And the fact is that the Bible is overwhelmingly clear. The people of God are supposed to care about foreigners. Like there's just no way around it. The Bible also talks about caring for widows, for orphans, um, and for the poor. But you know what? A A lot of Israel's ancient neighbors cared for those people too. Nobody cared for foreigners. That was weird. This is something unique to the Old Testament. This is something unique about us. We're called to love. 
Now, the fact is that no matter what your politics are about immigration, the fact of the matter is that in, our, in your backyard, there are thousands of immigrants and refugees who are trying to survive and happen to be called, or they're being asked to navigate the most complex legal network that we have. Immigration law is very, very complicated and, diff and difficult. So Immigrant Connection is a national organization that equips churches like us to open offices that offer high cost and, I'm sorry, low cost, high quality immigration legal services to people in need. And that's what we're going to do. Um, let, me, let me tell you why I'm excited about this. Centuries ago, there weren't hospitals. Christians would simply take care of sick people. Centuries ago, people would leave children out in exposure and, and uh, Christians would take them in and care for them as their own. Centuries ago, there weren't people going in to visit prisoners. Christians were going into the prisons. Now fast forward to today, and in many ways, culture has caught up to the Christians. We have enormous hospitals now. We have foster care systems. Um, the government is at least trying to do some of these things that Christians have been doing for centuries. But this is one area where there's still, there's still a huge gap. There's still a huge need. And I, I think that we're in a situation where if Christians don't do it, nobody will. I think perhaps the government even knows that. That's why they've created a program where churches can become immigration legal service centers. Because if the Christians don't step into this gap, nobody's going to. And once again, there's a hole in, our, in, our, in the fabric of our society, and we need to step into that hole and fill it. And this is one way we can do it. And my prayer is that over time, as, as generations come and, you know, people who are foreign-born come into this country, the children will see and remember the fact that when my family needed help, it was those Jesus followers that were there. And that over time, we can start to change the mind of the culture about the church. That's the opportunity I think this gives us. Now, we are waiting on our approval right now. We've sent everything in. We're waiting on approval. And uh, at some point here, hopefully, we'll get that approval and we'll be able to open our office. And what it means is that people who are uh, needing help with green cards and citizenship and stuff like that, they will be able to come and uh, get the, the services that hopefully that they need for a fraction of the cost that they might elsewhere. Now, the fact is that we, Iowa has been called an immigration legal desert because there's so many immigrants and so little legal services here. And so this is a big need, so pray, pray for us that we might be able to be light to the world through this. Our entire existence as a church, your, your vocation as a disciple is, is about learning to hear what God is doing and to join him in it. It's to develop the eyes and the ears to see and to hear where God is moving in the world around us and to join him in that mission. See, a disciple is someone who has learned to recognize and respond to the voice of God. That's what this is all about. That's what we're trying to do as a church is we stumble into things like immigrant connection and rise up. Now, if you're a part of Table Church, those are the things that you're a part of. Your support of this church is what's making all of that possible. But here I want to issue a warning. We can't let our corporate mission off, let us off the hook for our individual mission. We can't just say, oh, Table Church is doing stuff. I go to Table Church sometimes. 
so I'm doing stuff. In a way you are, because you're supporting Table Church. However, we can't let that be excuse to let us off the hook for our own individual mission in our own contexts. You are light to your neighbors. You are light to your coworkers, to your family and friends. You are the gospel carrier in your context. Listen, I've been praying for 10 people to come to Christ through Table Church for this fiscal year. 10 people. I don't feel like that's a crazy number. But you know what? I'm probably not going to lead 10 people to Christ all by myself. I mean, that'd be great if that happens. But the, the truth is, it's probably not just going to be Pastor Phil leading people to Jesus. It's going to happen when we as a congregation say we are on mission with God. And we start to learn and to discern and to, and to cultivate the courage to step out when God calls us to. And so I want to invite you to pray that with me. And not only to pray it, but to actually enact it in your life too. Now what I'm doing is I'm not asking you to go knock on a stranger's door and be like, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would go? <laughs> that is not light. That's not being light. I'm asking you to identify the person of, of peace in your life. The person of peace is, it's that person that God has planted in your life. And you know what? They just got some spiritual curiosity about them. It could be anything. They, may, maybe they're going through a hard time. They've, they know that you're a church person. And so they come and ask you to pray. You know, or maybe they've asked you about faith a little bit. They're just a little curious. Whatever it is, it's the person who's shown some interest in God. That's your person of peace. There's a good chance the Holy Spirit is moving in that person's life and he's calling you to join him in that. So start praying for that person. Start asking God to give you opportunities with that person. Listen, the number one reason why someone comes to faith, it's not through the social media posts of a church. It's not through philosophical arguments. It's through a relationship with a believer. Someone who has light in their life and who takes the time to get to know them and to really love them. You know, in just a few weeks, believe it or not, we are going to be having our Christmas Eve service. Christmas Eve is on a Sunday this year, so just so you know, we won't be having morning services. We'll just have our 6 p.m. Christmas Eve service. But the thing about Christmas Eve is a lot of people are more willing to go to church on Christmas Eve than they would be the rest of the year. And, and so it presents an opportunity with us here for us to ask God, who should I invite? Who are you, whose life are you moving in? Who's my person of peace? And so I'm going to challenge you to invite somebody to, to Christmas Eve this year. You can invite them to church before then. That's totally cool. But maybe you want to capitalize on the opportunity that Christmas Eve service affords you. Here's my promise. I will preach the gospel clearly on Christmas Eve. If you invite your friends, they will come and they will hear the gospel preached. And so I want to make it really easy for you today to invite somebody to, to, to Christmas Eve service. And what we're going to do is we, our ushers are going to actually hand you a postcard that's already got a stamp on it with the information for our Christmas Eve service. All you have to do is write a note and address it and drop it in the mailbox. So who is that person? Who's that person of peace that you might want to say, hey, there's going to be a, a, a seat next to me with your name on it at, at Table Church this Christmas Eve. Uh, so we're just going to hand it to anyone of writing age. And please take it. Uh, the ushers are just doing what they were told by handing you this thing, whether you want it or not. So don't make them feel bad. Take the thing. And who knows, maybe the Lord will work in your heart too, and you'll want to write it after you get home. If you want more of these postcards, we have plenty. Uh, they're going to be out there on the, um, on the guest table where the guest gifts are. Be sure to stop by and grab them. Um, and yeah, let's just see what the Lord does through this. Can we do this? Can we invite people to come and hear how much God loves them 
this holiday season. All right. Now, I'm going to take a moment and just lead us in a short prayer time for that person of peace in your life, that person that you're called to be light to. Um, And so I'm going to kind of pray a general prayer, but I want to give you permission. If God's already given you a name or a face, you can just apply this prayer to them, okay? Let's pray. God, thank you for the fact that you are on mission. You are moving. You are active. You are reconciling things that are broken. You're bringing this universe back to you. You're renewing all things, and you are calling us to join you in it. And Lord, a big part of that is the hearts and the souls of the people around us. And so Lord, may our hearts break for those that don't know you. May you give us opportunities to share your love with others. And when you do, may we have the courage and the discernment and the wisdom to do it. God, I pray specifically over the people of peace in our lives, the people who are called, who you are calling us towards right now, the people who are, you are moving and stirring in their hearts in some way. Lord, would you give us the discernment to know who they are? And right now, would you touch their hearts? Would you awaken something in them, a hunger for you? Lord, would they become more and more aware of the hole, the void in their lives that only you can fill? And Lord, we ask that they would respond to our invitation. And so, Lord, give this church the courage to go out and be light. Light by solving problems. Light by salt, by restoring the, the good flavor of your people. Light by sharing your gospel with others who don't know you. The fact that you love them so much, you're willing to die in order to reconcile not just them, but the whole cosmos back to you. That's good news, Lord. So we offer this to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would you do something amazing. Pray these things in your name.